0: What is happening, fellas? Welcome to another episode of Inside the Armor. I'm your co-host, Big Brother Boom, and I'm joined by my podcast partners. This is Joe. And Russ. All right, fellas, we are doing part three in a series entitled, What is Your Health Worth? Right? Yes, indeed. That's right. Yes, yes. sir. We're indeed. excited about it, too.
1: Yes, we I are. I am
0: very excited about it. <laughs> you know, we, we talked about, uh, fairly recently, we talked about people wanting to pass down generational wealth. We really need to pass down generational health. Amen. Can I get an amen? Hey. Yes on, sir, sir. Amen. amen. Come
1: on, all it. right.
2: So that's what we're looking to talk about now. And uh, we are, we've been graced to have the presence of uh, Dr. Andrea Sullivan. Um, she is my doctor and I wanted to uh, share her with you guys and share her with our listeners. So uh, as you said, Bon, this is our third in the series. So we started off with um, talking about the importance of moving and uh, doing uh, the physical part of the health journey. Then we talked with, uh, the, in the second of the series, we talked with a young man who is doing some uh, fantastic things with helping firefighters get their uh, health, their, their eating habits correct and Mm -hmm. making changes there, and so now to cap it all off, we have Dr. Andrea Sullivan, and Boone's going to give you a brief history of uh, who she
0: is, and Mm -hmm. then we'll get, we'll dive right in. Awesome. Dr. Andrea Sullivan, PhD, ND, is a natriopathic and homeopathic physician, author, lecturer, and has a private practice in Washington, D.C. She studies with homeopathic physicians from Mumbai, India, and is a diplomat with the Homeopathic Academy of Naturopathic Physicians. In 1976, Dr. Sullivan became the first African-American woman to receive a PhD from the University of Pennsylvania in sociology slash criminology. She has served as an an assistant director of the Administration of Justice for the National Urban League in New York City, and is a special assistant for President Carter. Wow. amen. Amen. Welcome.
2: Welcome, Welcome Dr. Solomon. Yes. Welcome, doctor. Yes. Thank you.
3: How are you guys doing?
2: Doing great. Doing great. Thank Good. you. You're
3: doing well. We're doing thank well. Thank you for
2: asking. We are great. So um, the, your bio was very, uh, very impressive by itself. But one of the things I wanted to ask, starting off, is uh, if you could just give us a little background, Europe history, and what brought you to um, becoming a doctor in uh, naturopathy?
3: Well, yeah, because um, the bio really talks about my first career, which was PhD in criminology and sociology. And I was a special assistant to Patricia Roberts Harris, who was the first African-American female to be head of a cabinet. And that was under President Carter. So I'm dating myself, which is fine. (laughs) And then, um, but what what, how I got to naturopathy, then I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Like Fanny Lou Hamer used to say, I was mm. tired all the time. I was only 30 years old. I had a face full of acne. I was 30 pounds overweight. And I thought, this is not cute. What am I gonna look like when I'm 70? Well, now I'm older than 70 and I look much better than I did when I was 29 and 30.
2: Wow. So Amen. I went
3: on this path, uh, going to a naturopathic physician in New York and I went every month and the very first month, he said to me, you should be a naturopath. And I said, excuse me, sir, just give me some of those bat feathers or whatever you boil up in the back room, and I'm going to go back to D.C. Because, you know, in 19, let's face it, guys, in 1978, nobody even heard of naturopathic medicine. Right, right. it has been around for years, but uh-huh. nobody had heard of it. So I'm like, he's crazy. I'm not going to go back to school for four more years.
1: Mm. Wow.
3: Fast forward. I started looking so much better and feeling so much better that indeed I decided to go back to school. So I came to DC initially to teach at Howard and I went back to Howard to take prerequisites for medicine because I was a social scientist, not a physical scientist. Mm -hmm. So I went to Howard, took some um, medical courses and really liked it and then sold everything and moved to Seattle and I went to Bastyr University which was the first accredited naturopathic school in Seattle, Washington. Wow. And so that's that's how that's where I got my degree and I graduated from there in 1986. Came back here in 88 because I did a two year residency there and had a private practice here ever since the nineteen eight ever since nineteen eighty eight.
2: 1988. 1988, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, well yeah that, that's a that, that is a great history. Thank you for telling us about that. Sure. Um, so the the way I was introduced to you uh, my wife Kim, at the time, had just gone through about with uh, breast cancer, and right. she was having some complications from the the uh, X-rays that they the radiation that they had uh, given her treatment with, and so she came to you, and uh, you you made you made changes in her life um, from her diet to exercise to overall peace. And uh, that was, uh, it, it made all the difference in the world. And I've never forgotten that. Thank you so much for that. Because she's still <laughs> with us now. That was in 2009. She's still here. And I have uh, referred quite a few people to you along the way, but I hadn't referred myself to you mm-hmm. until recently. And so um, I'm on this journey. So if you could give uh, just a brief history or, or the difference between homeopathic and natural medicine or yeah. um, you know or
3: allopathic world. medicine
2: allopathic know. methods yes
3: i know yeah. you told me mr morgan at first when you first approached me that this is a uh was through your church this podcast is that correct no ma'am oh i, so, don't, know why I, thought, I don't know why i thought that
2: no so so all of us all of us are are go to the same church so we were okay. in, in a discipleship program together so these are my uh, my brothers from the discipleship program okay. but well, the reason why
3: I bring that up is because, you know, there are many verses in the Bible that speak to the Lord God wanting us to have good health. Yes. And mm-hmm. somehow, we, somehow, I guess we don't read those verses <laughs> effectively. <laughs> but I just want to say that to start off, you know, the conversation, because, because it's important. God didn't bring us here to be broke and poor and, and run down and tired and sick. That's not, that's not the plan.
2: Right.
3: The plan is to have good health and have it more abundantly. The plan is to have prosperity and have it more abundantly. So mm-hmm. I just wanna preface the comments with that because it is our birthright to be healthy. It is not something that God just put us here and said, okay, I'm gonna forget about Russell, I'm gonna forget about Joe, I'm gonna go and <laughs> let them do their thing and it's gonna be fine, they'll figure it out. No, God is here for you to be able to create the differences in your life that you wanna create. Naturopathic medicine is every, using everything from nature. Naturo means nature and pathos means suffering. So we're healing the suffering with something from nature. And so homeopathy is a subset of that or comes under naturopathic medicine because in homeopathy, we use everything from nature, plant, mineral, even animal substances, which I'll get to in a minute. But you can have doctors who are homeopathic physicians who are not naturopathic physicians. And you can have naturopathic physicians who specialize in homeopathy. And one of my specialties is homeopathic medicine. Homeopathy, homeo means same and pathos means suffering. So we're healing the suffering with something that's the same. So years ago, it was developed by a medical doctor, Samuel Hahnemann in the 1700s. That's how old homeopathy is. He was a medical doctor. He was a physicist. He was a chemist. He spoke five languages. So he was a gentleman that you knew he knew what he was talking about. And at the time, malaria was really rampant and they used quinine to heal malaria. Quinine is from the Chinchona bark, And he thought, hmm, that's interesting. We're using quinine. And the conversation was, well, maybe it's an astringent. Maybe it isn't, maybe it is. So he got involved in the conversation and he left his medical practice because he didn't want to, quote, do any harm. He recognized that the doctors at that time were using bloodletting and leaching and uh, antimony and mercury and things that were really, really toxic to create more problems. Really, so he didn't want to do any more harm to his patients. He began to take chinchona bark and quinine in toxic amounts, and over time he developed the symptoms of malaria, and he thought. Hmm, this is very strange because he hadn't come in contact with any mosquitoes or vectors. And yet he had the same symptoms as someone who had malaria after taking toxic amounts of the substance that's supposed to heal malaria. So he began testing other substances on his colleagues and many medical doctors at the time were homeopaths. So they all began to test these substances and they recorded the symptoms that were created by the toxic substances whether it was phosphorus whether it's arsenic whether whatever it was even plants they began to write down the toxic um, the toxic symptoms that's called our materia medica and our provings so if i have a patient who comes in who has the symptoms that i can look up in my materia medica I know that I can give that particular remedy to that patient. Now, we don't give it in a toxic amount, however. The next step that Hahnemann took was to dilute the substance so that only the energy of the substance is available and not the substance itself. So only the essence is given to the person, not the substance. And why is that? Well, it makes sense that you don't want to give a toxic amount of something to a person because that would just endanger them and create more symptoms. Mm -hmm. Recognizing that everything is energy, you and I are energy, we're just operating at a slower pace so that we can see one another or vibrating at a slower pace, but everything is energy. Pain is energy, you can't touch it, it's not palpable. Anxiety is energy, you can't touch it, it's not palpable. Depression is energy. So we're giving an energetic dose or a diluted dose. And the dilution is always 10 to the 23rd power, which is a number in physics, Avogadro's number, that means there's nothing left of the substance, only the energy, only the essence. Mm. We're giving that essence to the body, to the body's immune system, which mm-hmm. has its own energy that can be seen by Kirulin photography. You can see the actual molecules and atoms operating around your immune system. We're giving the energy to that part of the body that then uses it and is stronger than the energy that the body has created in response to some stress. Mm. So, it's the name homeopathy means homeo means same, and pathos means suffering. We're healing the suffering with something that's the same. Remembering that everything that the body does is a call to action. For example, if you get a cold, the body is coughing, sneezing, having a fever, blowing its nose, trying to get rid of something that's not supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. But in conventional medicine, they use antibiotics, anti-cough medicine, anti-this, anti-that. So it's suppressing the body's natural responsibility and way to get rid of something that's not supposed to be there. So Mm -hmm. we are helping the body to get rid of what's not supposed to be there right by supporting the immune system Mm -hmm. in naturopathy we don't necessarily dilute the symptoms um, i'm sorry dilute the herbs or the whatever we're giving we give the whole herb Um, we give the whole vitamin we give the whole mineral vitamins and minerals by the way are not natural they're man-made but herbs are so I may give an herb for anxiety that's valerian, which actually is the, is the root of Valium, but they add drugs to it so that they can sell it as a drug and oh. not as an herb. Wow. But Valium, as you know, is used as an anti-anxiety medicine, or maybe you don't know. And it's very, very, very regularly prescribed. Yes. Hmm. I use valerian in my practice with chamomile and passiflora that all create the effect of being anti-anxiety. And that is naturopathic medicine because I'm not diluting it. I'm using the actual herb in a tincture form. Tincture just means liquid. And I'm giving that herb or that set of herbs to the patient. Likewise, we have other herbs for other conditions and we prepare tinctures or we give supplements as in capsule form. I'm sure many of you who are listening to this have seen capsules of herbs in health food stores. So that's naturopathic medicine. Naturopathic medicine also involves what you're eating. So and we I think we talked about this so that, you know, you can't survive on quote the foods end quote, that they are calling food. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Doritos are not food. That's right. Right. You'd you you would do better eating the plastic that it comes in. Mm, wow. Dorito. If you read wow, the, yes. if you read the label, M and M's are not food; they are something else. So what we call food in this country is all part of what a naturopathic physician will advise against, and put you on a path that allows you to have health. And freedom from limitations, which is the <laughs> definition of health for us.
2: Wow, that is—you just punched me in my gut,
1: Doctor Sullivan. Yeah, I feel <laughs>
2: breathless. Yeah, same. Thank you, Joe. I feel like my breath
3: was just taken from me.
2: Yes.
3: Was it Was it the Doritos or the M Ms? <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it was. It was a, for me. It was the Doritos because I just got back from out of town, and we were in the airport, and my wife got some something similar to Doritos. And I said, yeah, just you give me a couple, you know, because I, I don't eat them very often. So I had about, call it 10, okay. and I ate them. And then within 10 minutes, my body was just like, oh man, that was a wrong, bad idea. I started burping and I just shook my head and I said, boy, look at you. Just, I said, and I thought about you, doc. I really did think about you. And I said, that doc, been shaking her head, but I didn't eat, you know, half the bag or anything, but it was just 10 chips yes, man, that made my, my it, body Yeah.
3: Yeah. I have some. I have some patients who are actually from South Carolina, mm-hmm. and they made these T-shirts that says, "What would Doctor Sullivan do?" <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It reminded me of what you said.
2: Yes, that, no, that I is like great. it. Great, that is that great. Is,
3: so when you have choices in the airport, just go for the water. You'll survive.
2: Wow. Excellent! Excellent!
1: Excellent! Thank you, man. I feel enlightened already. Okay, <laughs> you're welcome.
3: Thank you. And and you know, and in my second book, so fast forward a little bit. In my second book, um, which is called "Enough When Sacrifice Has Gone Too Far," okay, Joe has that too. Um, mm-hmm. That book is was written actually for women. It could be for men as well, because I don't break that book down into diseases. That book is really what can be done about disease. So there are chapters on sleep, there are chapters on nutrition, there are chapters on meditation, there's chapters on, you know, milk. I mean, we drink so much milk as African Americans, it's just incredulous. And most of us are lactose intolerant, and the rest of us are are allergic to milk but what do we do? We go get lactate. No, no, there's still milk. (laughs) So anyway, so there are things in that book that are more specific to treatment. And also it can be universal because Mm. one of the things I know for sure is that African-American men are also dying more from heart disease, are also dying more from diabetes, are also dying more from obesity, are also dying more from injuries and stroke and These are preventable conditions. These are not some mysterious, you know, tropical diseases that come from Pago Pago. No, (laughs) these are diseases that are American in nature. Mm -hmm. And we've not had these diseases until we came to this country. Mm -hmm. Yes, we had respiratory problems, absolutely. But we had respiratory problems because we were pinned up in little cages before we took off from the West coast of Africa. But we mm-hmm. didn't have diabetes, we didn't have hypertension, we didn't have any of this. And we don't have much of it in Africa today, because we eat differently, and mm-hmm. we exercise. Mm-hmm. Most of us don't take the time to do that as, as well, as much as we need to, let's put it that way.
2: Absolutely, so, absolutely.
3: So while I wrote enough for women, um, and I did that because uh, African American women are dying younger and faster than white women all the time. And it was time to say enough because we just continue to do for everybody but ourselves. African American Mm. men do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And, And in addition, you all don't go to the doctors like African American women do. So my access to African American men in terms of writing a book was very limited. I have tremendous access to women because they're most of the population. Right. And I get it. I get it because there was a lot of mistrust, no matter what kind of doctor there was, lots of mm-hmm. mistrust because of all the experimentation that happened in slavery. And then fast forward into other situations like Tuskegee, etc. But you all do not go to the doctors enough. So when you have a condition, by the time you get to the doctor, it's in stage four. Take something like oral cancer, for example, which African-American mm-hmm. men die from a lot, from whether it's smoking or or chewing tobacco or cigars or pipes, you know, occasionally, you know, a guy will say, well, yeah, I have an occasional cigar after dinner, blah, 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 or on vacation. But that cigar is is still hurting you. Mm -hmm. And by the time you get to the doctor, you've got stage four oral cancer. When you mix that with alcohol, sufficient amounts of alcohol, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. So you have to if you're not gonna take care of your health, you at least have to go to the doctor, some doctor, any doctor, it doesn't have to be me, but there are things that you have to do on your own that we cannot do for you. And one of them is go to the doctor, at least get the test, at least find out what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes that will shock people into doing something differently. Right. And you know, it's not a death sentence, cancer is not a death sentence, but it does say, hey let's wake up and, and do something differently here because this is not supposed to be happening.
2: Right, right. Yeah, great. No, it's good information. So you you mentioned both of your books and mm-hmm. um, and I'm, I'm really glad that I read them. I'm, I haven't finished both of them, but I am in the process of going through them both. But one of the things that from your first book, uh, A Path of Natural... A, A Path to Healing, Mm -hmm. you you talked about stress. Right. And I know that stress causes a lot of the issues that we have, right? Mm -hmm. And it all really starts
3: there. So yeah, would you like to talk about that just a bit? Yeah, actually, in both books, uh, I was getting to that. In both books, stress Mm -hmm. is a chapter because that's how important it is, Mm -hmm. especially for Uh. us. Yeah, because you know, as I say in, in both books, it's as closely tied to us as the color of our skin. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who's who's Jewish can go outside and they're perceived as white. Jews have a lot of certainly uh, segregation and racism as well, but you can't perceive them as being anything but white mm-hmm. generally. But as soon as we step outside, you're a black person. Right. End of story. So okay. when you combine all of the stress that we've been through. Mm-hmm. in addition to the stress that we go through now with increased segregation and racism, thanks to um, you know who, <laughs> I don't even wanna mention mm-hmm. his name, mm-hmm. but our former president, um, you know, it's it's been a lot, it's been cumulative and that stress creates inflammation and that inflammation creates heart disease. And all of us die more from heart disease than any other condition. Yeah. And interestingly enough, yeah. in my second book, Enough, um, I talk about how stress also affects, especially racism and segregation and holding those thoughts affects white people as well. It increases their disease rates. So that's mm. a very interesting thing because it is that hatred, that negativity, those negative thoughts that then create the inflammation and create the tr- propensity toward stress that creates the propensity toward disease. So they, too, die from, more from heart disease when they harbor racist feelings. Wow. So yeah. r- stress, is, stress is huge. It's like always having the tiger in the tree in your back.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, you're,
3: you're always feeling like this. It's that flight or fight reaction, mm-hmm. whether it's work or whether it's family or whether it's whoever it is, school. Because when you have that reaction, all of your blood is going to the periphery of your body. None of it's going to the core of your body, the center of your body. And going to the periphery of your body always makes you feel like you want to run or you want to hit someone. Clearly, you can't do that at your job. You can't run out of the door or you can't hit your boss. So that stress gets suppressed. And it's like a beach ball. You know, beach ball, you try to press it down, it keeps coming back up. You try to press it down, what it keeps coming back up. And the stress does the same thing. You can't keep it down eventually it's going to manifest somehow. I have people in my practice who talk about things that happened from childhood that they yep. have never forgotten, mm-hmm. especially women, for example, because that's my, my experience, who talk about how they were molested by a father or a brother or an uncle or, or an aunt or a cousin or the boy next door or the babysitter. And that molestation stays in your system. It stays in your... It's, it, it, it gets put in there in an energetic way. The cells are aware of it. The cells become aware and that energy stays with you. And without the energy, for example, of homeopathy to remove that, then you have a woman who's angry easily, who's throwing things, who's cussing, who has no self-worth, um, who has little ability to stand up for herself. These are all symptoms of women who have been oppressed or repressed or raped or whatever the other words could be. So we wanna get rid of that energy because that's an energy that allows a person to have disease of other sorts. One of the definitions of uh, health and homeopathy is freedom from illness, freedom from disease, freedom from and freedom toward being able to stay and be healthy. So mm-hmm. freedom is key. And we don't have freedom if we're focusing on what happened to us when we were 10 years old. We don't have Mm -hmm. freedom if we're focusing on what happened to us when we were 20. That's not freedom. That's something else. mm -hmm. So in the book, it's important. Again, in the second book, it was important for me to talk about meditation because meditation is listening to God. Prayer is talking to God. And There's a whole world inside of us that exists that we don't pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And things like meditation can help to calm those stressful situations, help to calm the ways in which you see the world, help to recognize how powerful and how beloved you are, and that we're all a part of this energy, this spirit called God or whatever you want to call it, source, all that is whatever it is and whatever you call it is fine with me, but we're all a part of that. And it's only when you go inside yourself for for a period of time that you begin to understand that. And people say, well, I I try to meditate but I can't only sit for two minutes. Okay, do two minutes, Mm -hmm. do two minutes four times a day. That's fine. And no, you're not gonna be a guru because you just started this practice. It's not gonna just suddenly you're gonna sit down and everything's gonna be fine and you're just gonna go off into wherever one goes. No, it's going to take time. But like anything, it's practice. And that practice allows you to then have a peace and a calm that you can carry with you throughout your day. So it's kind of like your day is, I know I have a plaque in my office about your day being hemmed in prayer so it doesn't unravel. Well, your day can also be hemmed in meditation so that it doesn't unravel, because that's what keeps one grounded, focusing on yourself, being inside yourself. Let's face it, guys, there's so much going on in the world today, and social media is great, but it's also awful, Mm -hmm. because it just brings so many things to your face, right in your face, that you would have no idea about, and those things are all stressful. So we have very little positivity coming toward us and lots of negativity, in addition to our own lives. So we have got the negativity of the United States and the world, and then we've got our lives, which we all have negativity in our lives on some level, it's a relative or a friend or whatever who's sick. So that's a lot to handle. And those things create stress. And when that stress mounts up, then you have the diseases that I'm talking about. So there's gotta be a way Exercise, again, nutrition, meditation, sleep. I can't tell you how many people say to me, not enough. How much sleep do you get? Not enough. How much water do you drink? Not enough. Two very simple, but very, very basic and important things. Very basic. Mm -hmm. Because we're made up of water. And there's not much you can do without sleep. Not much you can do effectively without sleep. You (laughs) can do a whole lot without it, but it doesn't work. Right. And we... We're you know in this rhythm that we go to bed after midnight. You should go to bed the day before you wake up. Most people that I ask go to bed after midnight. Mm. Now, after people come to me, they say, That's i went to bed at 10 o'clock and I feel better. Wow, <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> yeah. Sleep. Yeah. At least one or two nights yeah. a week. You got to do it. You yeah. do it. We, weren't, we weren't meant to just keep going, 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 going. Just stop. Shut it down. Take all the iPads, iWatches, iTouches, this out of your room. Your bedroom is not your office. Your bedroom is for sleep. Mm. Take wow. it out. Shut it down an hour before. Take a hot shower. Go to bed. Yes. End of story. No-
2: know, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
3: No, so no, no. Go
2: ahead. No, I was just going to say when you when you told me about going to bed the um, the day before you wake up. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, how simple that was but yeah. it made so much sense mm-hmm. and I and I try to put that in practice every every night now so mm-hmm. I try mm-hmm. to get in the bed between 10 and 11 o'clock and I wake but, up naturally in the morning but uh yes that is mm-hmm. that is so powerful and and, and your,
3: brain, your brain gets rid of all the toxicity between 10 and 12 so that's a oh. time that your brain is cleansing and getting rid of those little toxic elements there which is another piece Uh, of why it's important to try to go to bed during that time. But after 12 o'clock, you're just fooling yourself. I'm going to have patients who say, well, I I go to bed at one, but I get up at nine. Okay. How's that working for you? It's not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting my eight hours. Okay. But you're not getting the right eight hours. Got it. Got it. Got it.
1: Proper rest. Yes. And water. I bet
3: you, most of you don't drink half your body weight in water. You don't have to answer me. I'm just, Putting out a little query there. Okay, I'm getting better
2: I'm getting your body weight. Okay. Your body. All
3: wow. right. All right. Especially <laughs> if you exercise, then you also need to drink more. Yes. Right. Uh, and it again, that's simple too. I mean, it's not easy, but it's simple. Mm-hmm. Just drink the water because without water, dehydration creates constipation, creates poor concentration, creates poor memory and memory loss.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
3: dehydration is is not good. Fatigue, so if you got no water and no sleep, you're tired. You're Bottom, tired. Line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bottom yeah. line, you're tired.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, at, at the bare minimum, I need to take a break to drink some water. <laughs> 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 We're up against a break, so we will return.
3: Greetings. This is Dr. Essie McCoy, your podcast host of Dr. Essie Speaks Education. I am elated to bring you a weekly show where I discuss everything about education. That's right. What you want to know, what you don't know, and what you need to know will be aired each Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Get ready, mark your calendars, and tune in to this show as we keep the pulse on education from an award-winning educator. Remember, once again, to tune in every Sunday at 5.30 p.m.
0: Hey, what's up, fellas? If you're looking for healthy, thought-provoking conversations on a variety of topics dealing with life issues... Be a transparent, open dialogue for men who need a dose of honest, engaging, and heartfelt discussions. Tune in to Inside the Armor, airing Mondays at 8 a.m., hosted by Joe, Russ, and yours truly, Boom. We would love to have you vibe with us as we talk about our trials and our triumphs, our messes, and our successes. Join us for Inside the Armor, Mondays at 8 a.m. Iron sharpening iron. One podcast at a time. All right, we are back. We've uh, quenched our thirst, and (laughs) about um, that, we have been enlightened, inspired, empowered by Dr. Sullivan. Wow. I don't even know where to begin. (laughs) I mean, I got so many bad habits.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, just take one at a time. One one at a time. Baby baby steps. Baby steps. You can't do it all.
1: You can't. Okay.
3: So, so doctor, on that piggybacking
1: on that, the water conversation before break, I'm going to show you. So this is what I drink every day. The that's alkaline great. that's great. So my question to you is when it comes to water because I was I, I was taught this from a, um, one of my um, uh, friends at the gym that the kind of water you drink is pretty important you know right. versus tap water so my question is is alkaline water good for you versus just yes. water out of the tap okay
3: yes. alkaline water is good for you because the other thing that creates cancer for example or any disease is acidity so okay. when you have a lot of acidity, you've got some problems, too. So the alkaline water helps to balance that. So alkaline mm-hmm. water is totally fine. Totally okay. fine. Mm-hmm.
1: Great. I appreciate that. But spring,
3: spring water is, too. I mean, you can drink spring water, and alkaline water is great, too.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So, with that being said, so for those who don't have access to alkaline or or spring water, just getting water in is critical, right? Yes, We'll, we'll go there. Absolutely. And what about what, what about well water? Because well water is is natural, not treated with anything. Yes. So.
3: Well water is fine. Uh huh.
2: Okay. For okay. People
3: that can't that live in those situations, yeah, that's fine. And you know, I mean, Costco, for example, has. Um, 24 ounce sport bottles by Deer Park that are reasonable. We have a case Mm -hmm. of them. Um, I generally suggest to people to drink 24 ounces first thing in the morning before breakfast.
1: 24. And
3: then, depending upon your weight, to drink in between breakfast and lunch, but not with your meals, but in between Uh, your meals.
2: In between your meals,
1: okay. Mm
3: -hmm. So, so would you explain why not with your meals? Sure. Um, so if you eat and drink, Mm -hmm. you are washing away the enzymes in your mouth. Mm. So the food can't get digested. You're, you're really wasting the enzymes because you're rinsing them all down. And that means that digestion cannot start in the mouth where it's supposed to start. It's not supposed to start in the stomach. If it starts in the stomach, the stomach's got more work to do. Has to add more acid, has to add more bile. Then the small intestine gets involved not supposed to do that. You're supposed to start digesting your food in your mouth. So mm-hmm. 20 minutes before your meals and 45 minutes after your meals is ideally when you can drink,
1: Five minutes.
3: but not Uh-oh. with your meals.
1: Okay, I'm sorry not to you, you, you should repeat that. You said 25 minutes before and 45 minutes after? 20 minutes
3: before. 20, okay. And 45 minutes after.
0: Okay, thank you. Yeah, sure. After. Okay. And how much water 20 minutes before and 45 minutes after?
3: Well, you know, that's weight dependent. So like I said, I would start, most people I start at 24 ounces in the morning. Now, if I Mm -hmm. have a very, very slight, thin woman, I might start at 16. But Mm. most can handle 24 ounces in the morning. And then, uh, again, before breakfast you wait 20 minutes, maybe you get some exercise in, maybe you meditate for three of those 20 minutes, maybe you go for a walk, then you have your breakfast and then in between breakfast and lunch, and lunch Mm. and dinner, depending upon what you weigh, you drink more. Mm. So I start my morning with a liter of water, first thing in the morning, before my breakfast and before my spinning, and then in between breakfast and lunch and lunch and dinner, I drink more. Usually I monitor it by, with every patient, I'll have 10 ounces or something like that, or eight ounces. You that's say my, spinning? Spinning,
0: uh-huh. She, she is, did say spinning, yes. Yeah. She did yeah, say yeah. My, my head is spinning, I mean. <laughs> wow. Yeah, she gonna put us
1: to shame, bro. Yeah, I, I'm on the same boat, bro. I'm on the same bike, I'm sorry. <laughs> do
3: you guys spin? I do,
1: I have a Peloton.
3: Okay, so I have something similar. It's called a mixed fitness. Okay. I used to go to the gym and spin, but then when COVID hit, of course, I changed all that and got a mixed sure. fitness, and I do all that on the bike. Great. I, right. I've been spinning for years. I was an avid runner. I wanted to keep my knees, and I said, I, I got to stop. So I started spinning and then and swimming, and now I just have a bike at home.
1: Awesome. Wow. Mm-hmm. I was Not a tennis angry.
3: player, too, but again, I wanted to keep my knees.
1: Keep your knees. That's, uh, I get it. I get it.
0: Wow, that was awfully powerful. We are certainly grateful that we've had Dr. Sullivan. And uh, we are grateful that you joined us for part one of finding your path to health and healing. Please tell everybody that you know to join us for part two of finding your path to health and healing. Again, as we always say, if you want to reach out to any of us, you can hit us up at info that inside the armor at gmail.com that's info that inside the armor at gmail.com peace 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 and love